0: Next station is
1: Metropolis.
0: Metropolis.
1: Metropolis.
0: Metropolis. (laughs) Welcome to Metropolis, a podcast
1: series presented by the student from the Urban Master at the Versailles School of Architecture. In each station, a guest will tell us about his vision of the city, its conception, its density, its future. So today we'll meet with Jeannie Gang, architect and urbanist, founder of Studio Gang based in Chicago. They are well known for buildings such as Aquator and for the deep interest in terms of ecological and community concerns. Hi,
0: bonjour. can you hear me? Okay. All right.
1: Okay, great. Um, so maybe we can start this podcast with a short introduction of yourself.
0: Okay. Um, I'm Jeannie Gang. I lead Studio Gang. Uh, we're an architecture and urbanism practice. Um, based in Chicago and New York and Paris, actually, um, and really interested in all scales of the city and all scales of um, architecture as well. I teach also at Harvard Graduate School of Design. I'm a pr- professor in practice um, at the GSD.
1: If we jump to our subjects and we start with a fundamental question, which is what is for you a city, its aims, and what is a city today?
0: Yeah, for for me, the city is really always about how people can come together. Um, And it's the coming together, not only of people, but of goods and services. And um, it's a way of creating connections between people. um, And humans have done it for a long time. And so, but today, I think the important thing is that uh, we have to realize that it's also about other species as well. Um, And that um, as cities get bigger and bigger, um, it's really important for them to be also connected to nature.
1: Maybe if we go to a more technical question. You mentioned the question of nature, but today cities tend to develop more and more on themselves to try to limit the expansion of cities. Your work as an architect have impact on social interaction, sustainability. How do you see the work of architects regarding cities and where does it stop?
0: Uh, well, I think when we think about cities today, I, I also think it's really um, the work of architects is, should go beyond maybe just thinking of a building standing on its own and think of it as part of a network, part of a, a bigger ecology um, that can bring people together, but also connect people to um nature and, and as well, other buildings. So oftentimes with our work, I start with um, looking outside of the site, you know, uh, further out, further field outside the site and try to understand what the community is like, what the ecology is like, what are, you know, what are the important, I would call assets of the, the area. Um, And all of that is, you know, before even starting to design a building, Um, it needs to really be connected. And um, I think, Today, I mean, when you put a building into a site, it's a very, it's a kind of a political act, you know, that it it changes things, it changes lots of things about the environment, but it also um, is changing the neighborhood um, where it goes. So I think it's really important to engage with the people that are in that area, and um, we've been doing that in different ways, especially for bigger projects, um, but but even for smaller ones, um, to try to make sure that the project is very relevant uh, for the the owner, the organization that who it's for, but also for you know the the neighborhood, and and um, you do that through meeting meeting with people, um, getting feedback. Um, and different cities I found have different mechanisms for, for, for allowing the architect to, um, connect with people, but on a very basic level, it's, it's pretty easy to just to, to search it on your own, even if, if your owner or client doesn't require that and and to find out what the local groups are and try to connect, connect with them because it's, um. I think it's better um, when our projects work better when there's more support for the project, um, and it's a different way of thinking about engaging with the public. You know, in the past, um, I think that people, architects, many times were required to do, like in the United States, required to do a public presentation, but it was like always at the end, like showing what you, you know, already did. Um, but now I think the movement is toward more engagement earlier in the process. And, you know, just to, to hear, hear who is living there, who is, who is this project for.
1: If we push a question of looking forward to the sites and we look to cities like Chicago and Paris, they both have an heritage of way of making cities from centuries ago, like very first high rise in Chicago and Osman in Paris. But does this way of building cities push to have some kind of disparities in other parts of the city?
0: I like that you brought up Chicago and Paris. It's interesting to think about the two cities. In in Chicago, there's a there's always been this kind of desire for tall buildings, maybe because the city is very flat, maybe because, you know, maybe because it's a young city and it was very optimistic about, you know, the the um the prospect of the engineering and doing taller buildings. And people like to live, they really do like to live up high in buildings, which I think is very different in, in Paris, maybe not people don't maybe think about a tall building for living in. They think it may be for working or something like that. So again, it's it's important to understand like where, where you're building. Um, high-rise buildings don't go everywhere. They don't belong everywhere. You know, there's, there's places where they work and other places where maybe it's not a great idea. So, and equally a very small building maybe could be not dense enough for certain parts of the city like when we think about building near transportation in in many American cities, that, that's where we wanna have more density, more people that can use the public transportation. So, and I think there are cities like Paris that are very dense already, even with the lower buildings. They're very um, high number of people living close together, which is very good for um, environment and for social connectivity. So, I think it's I do think that there's an appropriate um, there's appropriate places for taller buildings and and places where maybe it's not so much important and shouldn't be there it would it would be very shocking to see something you know and you do have to be careful about them because of the shadows that they create and and the different environment that they create um, I'm currently working on a project in Toronto, where there's a very good, um, uh, it's a very good place in the city for mobility, transportation, there's a lot of, of people, and it's kind of an urban center, but low, but the city has decided this is an area where we want to go taller and, and you know, make it a little bit more vibrant and less reliant on the car. So that's a good place, like they haven't had tall buildings before, but the city agreed that this this is a good place to do that and and there was a process and a public process to go through um so i, I think there's a again it's it's a case-by-case case basis but i i don't think they belong everywhere you know and and it doesn't make sense everywhere but um we know that we have to build if we want to keep the footprint of the city the same or you know compact you have to go up. <laughs>
1: For, for sure. And you talk about the limit of density, and maybe we can make it the next question. But density is for sure a better way of living in the city.
0: I think so. It's part of what makes it vibrant and social and is, is having everything nearby. And, and that's what attracts us to the cities.
1: Maybe it's the other question in density, as you talked about um, transportation and so on, it's the question of mixity in the programmatic.
0: Yeah. Right. It's some of the problems that have happened in cities because of uh, density have been when there wasn't a good mix of uses and it may be only housing or, you know, or only um, office buildings. And that creates kind of dead areas in the city. And I mean, for climate, it's great to think of extending the use of every space and using every inch of every space. Um, If we want to reduce carbon, we need to get more out of our buildings, more out of our cities, and so, um, this idea of well, like the 15-minute city uh, that is um, being talked about now is is an interesting idea for how to make uh, cities work for with a great degree of mix mixity, because you could do everything: work, live, eat, dine, shop, um, have healthcare, and everything within this kind of 15-minute um, walking uh, diameter. <laughs> So I think that that's in a good direction. I also think that there are certain types of buildings that could have um, multiple uses, maybe even within 24 hours, like um, a restaurant could be used in the morning for breakfast. Maybe there's a place for meetings during the day and later it becomes, you know, something used in the evening. The, the this 24 hour use i think is is interesting as well how do people how can we get more out of our buildings that we're building
1: so yeah it's also the mixity of places not only mixity of programmatic if i understand well
0: program but also um, it, I, I think it's interesting to think more about the mixity of the, um, the incomes as well, because we don't want to have like um, cities for rich and cities for poor people. I mean, we, you know, really, we need to more more than ever we need to connect with each other and and be and and i think this is one of the problems right now with uh the politics are becoming very polarized and so as architects we can design spaces that bring people together or uh, public spaces that are welcoming you know i think one thing that's really interesting like during the pandemic all of this um physical distancing that was necessary but in 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 english in us they call it um you know social distancing which is like kind of like the wrong uh, word because it means you lose the social part, but but all of that, this physical distancing is ex- exactly what we you know don't what we don't want ultimately. So yes, we had to do it for a while, but um, it's really the creating spaces that can bring people together in dialogue. Places like with our work um, where we've done um, like the nature boardwalk at Linkin Park Zoo with a pavilion. And it's just a place where anyone can come and feels welcome, Um, very flexible for, you know, outdoor space, but also very biodiverse. And that, so it's it's really about like right in the middle of the city having a biodiversity and that, that kind of, I think it makes people interested in the place. Um, they let down their defenses and they, you know, can engage with each other. And that's the kind of spaces we need more of and less, um, I mean, pure monumentality or, you know, formality and really now bring into our cities more a green space that is, um, you know, biodiverse that is like a habitat, you know, habitat for humans and and animals and insects and bugs and pollinators, and those, those are kind of spaces that we're kind of missing in cities and 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 frankly missing in the countryside too. If you look at the way that. Um, Agriculture and, and mono, mono uses have really hurt um, the whole overall population of, of species. So I think the cities are a great place to kind of re- regenerate um, more vibrant life that's good for, for the planet.
1: If we jump to the question of communities, uh, maybe we can define the differences in between social concern and communities.
0: When we talk about social concerns, like as, you know, in the past, as architects did, like um, maybe decide to build social housing or something like that. It's, it's very much, I mean, it's more of an elitist um, attitude about it. And so, but the idea of community, and I realize it doesn't really translate perfectly into French. This idea is really where community members are empowered to engage with the architect, to share ideas. And it's not like, I mean, these are people, like if you're designing um, housing, maybe it's about really talking with people who might be living there or advocates for housing and learning really what are the challenges And I think in the past, you know, architects have been much more um, like they have an idea and they think that it's good and they have good intentions, but it's not really engaged with the actual community (laughs) that's going to be living there. So I think that's important. I always personally, I gain a lot of understanding from listening to communities. Um, what are their concerns it doesn't mean that they're going to draw the building you still are the architect and you still have to (laughs) design it but it's it will you keep things in mind that like for example um in some communities you have multi-generational living together uh, and even people like let's say um friends if we're a family who is um let's say an immigrant family, they might have distant relatives that come and stay with them for a while. So it's it's like a different family dynamic than, you know, this narrow idea of what we have as a family. Th- these are important things to know, and you wouldn't know if you didn't um, connect with people. Um, I also think like, you know, we're designing museums and cultural spaces and Oftentimes, certain groups are left out of, uh, or they don't feel welcome in a space like that. So what are the things you can do for desi- in design to make spaces more welcoming for everyone? Y- you know, and it, it, that, that's what I, I'm really interested in these aspects and yeah, it's, it's about social connectivity, it's about um, community and welcoming and making things fair and just through design, you know. It's not exactly easy to, to figure out, but it's, it's worth trying.
1: <laughs> if we continue on the question of communities, you proposed multiple design for desert architecture in Chicago that aimed to link neighborhoods through a new landmark building and programmatic spaces. How is this proposition of new services to neighborhood tend to create kind of a more bonding community?
0: I think that architects are really good at, at visualizing um, information and data and, and, and also you know what the problem might be. Like I, I can give an example in Chicago, we did some research and work on the Chicago River, which is um, it's not like the Seine where you know where it is. <laughs> uh, in, the, in Chicago, the river was very much industrial you know, industrial buildings along there. And a lot of people didn't realize, you know, that the river is actually there, like, you know, because you can't get to the edge. And there's also a lot of issues about the the quality of the water and things like that. So when we did this research together with not-for-profit groups that or for the environment we we realized that in order for people to care about the river in order for the community to care about it and let's say advocate for using it it means that you have to give access they have to be able to use it to be able to care about it and so even though the river was not totally clean or you know the the idea was to to bring architecture projects like a boathouse was was the one that we did to give people access. We're the architects, so we, we didn't, you know, we, we basically, we pitched the idea of this access to the mayor, to the, the people, and they, together, we, everyone made it happen. So I think so in that sense, what the architect is more like an advocate, you know, in favor of something, not only waiting for the, you know, competition or, you know, like sometimes you can make things happen. And I think that's really important. And that helped to generate like a very strong community around like caring for the river. So it's really built a strong community around this natural resource. And, Architects should not be afraid to care about something. I mean, whatever it is, whether it's a a neighborhood where you live or whether it's um, natural resources or, you know, in the city or if it's about education or those kind of things, you can get involved beyond, you know, your work as an architect. I think it's really interesting, and I, I see like a lot of young architects starting to do that and really um, being involved, and it's very inspiring. I, I love that. Because, I mean, you know, architects are, um, like I said, able to help people visualize things. It's a very good education to have if you want to make a difference in, in the city.
1: If we keep the question of social concern and we link it with the question of ecology, I mean, you talk about it a little bit before. But cities nowadays are more and more concerned regarding ecology. and it is with all its advantage and what we have said also a way of creating social interaction through a social concern actually.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the most exciting part about it because there's all kinds of activities that can um, come around, that can happen around this idea of creating a more ecological city. and And by that, I mean, the ecology, the literal, like the plants, the animals, the insects, the pollinators, like creating, um, like it takes care to, to create that. And it takes lots of volunteers. I mean, volunteers, people who um, can do planting, people who can do composting in the city, people. and, And so there's And there's also new businesses that can arise out of these uh, elements. But all of those things are like, it brings people together we we do our own um uh, garden on on the roof it's not really a garden it's more of an it's a regional plants um that we're trying to increase the biodiversity of our rooftop so we have a lot of um different species of plants um and then um we have also and we measure this every every year like to see how it's doing but we also added you know bees and then just more and more things uh, we have a recording for bats to, to, um, to see if the you know what the colony of bats are doing there. So we're working together with researchers um, who look at urban wildlife and we're using our rooftop as an experimental place for studying that. And it's really fun because. You know, when it's time to get the honey, it's like something our whole studio does together. Or we invite over, um, there's a neighborhood elementary school and the children have come over to our rooftop. And so it's like a way to do things together. And, um, and we're also trying to, um, you know, help other people in our neighborhood to create their rooftops. And I'm just, you know, my dream is like that this, these one day all of these rooftops will be just connected, right, as a part of an ecosystem in, in the sky, in the city, because you have, you know, the ground is pretty occupied in a city, so it's it's harder to do it. So. Um, it's really beyond just thinking of a green roof. It's really about you know, um, cultivating a real ecosystem up there and, and making the, those community activities you know, part of it.
1: And regarding ecology, there is also this question of biodiversity density in cities. I mean, we, we've seen with your rooftop um, the question of how biodiversity can increase social interaction, but there is also the question of how biodiversity can be increased and I was wondering if you made studies or already done projects that aims to increase this question of biodiversity density in cities.
0: First, the um, are you talking for future projects or things that we've already done? Because one project we've already completed and have been watching it um, over the years is the um, board boardwalk at uh, nature boardwalk at Lincoln Park Zoo. It's so there's like a, there's a zoo, but then there's this park area with no cages, right? So it, um, and and we want we. We did some very. Uh, we changed this. One park I always think of in, in Paris is um, Butte Chaumont, and how it's it's kind of like Disney World in a way because it's like you know it looks natural, but it could actually be much more biodiverse like for example the water the pond there is very shallow so you know a lot of things can't live in it and it there's hard edges so just with a few changes you can start to create a habitat for many more types of species so in our project at lincoln park zoo we we dug out the water the pond it and made it much deeper So then um, fish can winter over there and, and, and then we took out the edges, just ripped out the edges and planted like um, a much more shallow edge. So different kinds of plants like that. And suddenly like, you know, and a few other things and certainly um, many, many more species start to show up and, and even um, bigger mammals like coyote, you know what it is? (laughs) And um, so so your question is very interesting because like how close can you get some of these larger animals and 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 humans in the same space you know i think that that's it's an important um it's important to see how that works but you have you know some of these animals are also predators for things like rats that you don't want all over the city so it can have a positive effect but i don't think we totally understand yet how integrated these uh systems can be but But that's something I'm really interested in uh, finding
1: out. Okay, maybe if we jump to a more technical question of ecology. I mean, a large part of your designs propose a lot of alternative ways of using local or natural materials, but they are mainly focused on the smaller-scale buildings or infrastructure. What are the limits? And can we imagine that one day a skyscraper with more technical constraints can be designed with sustainable qualities?
0: Well, I think there's a lot of really exciting research happening right now. Um, I mean, one of the things, concrete is a material that has a a lot of carbon emissions, right? But that, there is a lot of progress. Concrete is just, it's a good building material. So if we can make the concrete less emitting, that would be really great. So it doesn't necessarily have to be only um, biomaterials, but also work on the existing materials we have and make them less carbon intensive. So what what people are looking at now is drastically reducing the amount of cement in the concrete. So it would still be a fluid material that becomes hard, but which is good because it's a barrier for sound and it's very strong. Um, but it would really improve the um, the effect of it. So that's work that's going on. It's, you know, not necessarily available just yet, but I think all of our materials need to be improved. I mean, even wood, like for example, in the States, there's a lot of buildings being made of CLTs, of course, but because there's a, not enough industry right now doing making those in the States, people are shipping them from <laughs> far, far away. So it, kind of undoes the uh, benefit so I, i just think that i'm i'm a person who really thinks that there's not just one solution it's like all the solutions at the same time but it's you know if we demand we want better materials greener materials um and our clients also demand that then the industry will move and and if we have regulations we need you know strong regulations Uh, like the Paris Climate Accord, and we need to have that so that the industry will respond. Um, And then I think there's a lot of exciting things happening on a technical level, too. But it's also wonderful just to use very simple local materials, if you can, you know, um, very, very uh, low tech. I like that, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I mean, we often perceive materials as only a matter of carbon footprint but we often even for sustainable materials lose the idea that well, where does it come from
0: far far away all right <laughs> and and i think you know we are also um like there's a local wood here in in, in the well, let's say in the chicago area that people treat it like it was a um a weed tree you know and um it turns out that this this wood is so strong and it's like um almost um like a brazilian hardwood you know but it's it's right nearby so wood is very interesting because each species has different qualities it's not like a one size fits all so there's probably a lot to be discovered i think there's oftentimes there's a lot under your you know under your nose as we say and um it just hasn't been figured out how to bring it to market how to make it usable
1: in this question of biodiversity, even communities and how to design cities, how do you perceive the idea of using parametric as a tool to regulate this question?
0: Um, that, that's interesting because I haven't really thought about uh, pairing the idea of um, parametrics with um, biodiversity because, you know, but I guess in some respects it's possible. Well, what we've done, I mean, the, I, I think more about data because, you um, we have to understand what works. So it's really important to go back and look at what you've done and to measure it, right? So um, so with the Urban Wildlife Institute, for example, we are tracking um, the numbers of species and, the, and putting different devices in the environment to measure. Now, the latest thing we're looking at is air quality and can this biodiverse rooftop, for example, have a positive impact on air quality? which is really important in cities. And um, you find that in many areas in the city that are struggling with, you know, economically, and those areas are oftentimes where the pollutants are located and there's, you know, more asthma, more, more health problems. So maybe biodiversity can help address some of that as well. So I think it's more, this question is more uh, uh, depends on, on data and, and trying to connect the dots between these different data points, like economically challenged parts of the city Um incidents of disease incidents of of um, crime but also like you know how much green space is there and and there are relationships um, between these things and we we just need to understand better um, so that we can advocate for the right thing
1: okay it's a lot of input and maybe we will make this one our last question how do you see cities in the future
0: I think the city will um, be greener and I think the city will be um, cleaner. Um, and I, I, another very important aspect is um, sound. And I think that, um, the, the, you know, one of the problems right now in city is just the, the level of sound. It's too much. And I can see, so you can tell, I have an optimistic attitude, but I do think that they will be um, quieter in the future. Um, and um, the biggest, hardest thing is the, making the city more equitable. And that that's um, what we need to work on probably the most right now. I, I, I think um, I would love it to see that uh, the city has more mix, mixed income, mixed mixity in use. and use. Um, and so, yeah, let's let's try to make that happen.
1: Well, I think it's a very good ending point. And I want to thank you again for all your thoughts and your knowledge on those subjects. It was a very pleasant moment.
0: Okay. No, my pleasure. Very fun to...